You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings together real-world insights to help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we bring you the best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is transforming the way B2B companies go to market by enabling customers to embrace modern digital sales and marketing with a complete end-to-end suite of products. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Sunny Side Up podcast. I'm your host, Allison Blasco. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Earl Potter on advertising and agencies, a new outlook with a complex relationship. So Earl brings extensive experience in technology and analytics to his role as Senior Vice President of Media Analytics at Quad. He helps clients get the most out of their market investment by finding the right combination of technology, method, and analytical framework to optimize media spend. Before joining Quad in 2019, Earl worked in senior positions at some of the largest global media analytics firms, including Game Theory, a marketing effectiveness consultancy that is part of WPP and Media Brands, the media data arm of Interpublic Group. Earl, I'm so excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Allison. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, so I know today the topic that we want to kind of dig into is advertisers and agencies. <laughs> they, they live together, they work together, but sometimes it can be complex. So where I really wanted to start was just with that complexity. So oftentimes there is a complexity that's necessary to lead to the best financial results for advertisers, but it requires a lot of extra work, specialized approaches, and kind of rarely do you see these types of recommendations coming out of kind of agency recommendations. So wanted to start there. I know that's a lot, <laughs> but but what yeah. do you do? Where do we go from here? Yeah, no, it's something that's really been on my mind a lot lately because I've been in a lot of different advertising settings. I've been on the client side and the agency side. And, you know, the relationship between advertisers and their agencies is, is a complicated one. And it's difficult to negotiate all the terms to, to know what you don't know up front. So it's not to suggest that this is easy. But I will say this. I find it's interesting and surprising, frankly, that advertisers are not demanding more of their agencies in terms of looking at things uniquely by market. I think that every advertiser probably has an intuitive sense that the every market is is different, right? You've got at least four different dimensions in every market that are unique. You know, one, if you're a geographically defined target area, which is many advertisers within a market, that laydown or that trade area or trade areas within each market is going to be unique by market. Number two, your audience, who is your best target, your best customers or, or whoever you're trying to advertise to, they're going to be living in a very interesting and unique pattern in every market. And then your media options within each market is highly variable. Now, some of you may be thinking digital market and digital media is pretty much ubiquitous and and it can go everywhere. And that's true. But I am surprised that we're still not doing a lot of geo-targeting of that digital media within the market. But if you take other channels within the market, out of home, print, cable TV, these things are geographically variable within every market and they're all very unique. And then lastly, the costs of media are also variable at the market level. So with those four dimensions of variability in every market, it's no surprise, right? When you start looking at how to optimize your reach, it's going to be a different media plan in every market. But surprisingly, advertisers don't typically demand that. I think it's because it's hard. Hence, it can be costly. 
But, you know, if I were on the on the advertiser's side today, <laughs> I would be demanding this. It's like, well, let's figure this out. We've got a lot of technology to bring to bear. We have ways to use the idea of programmatic digital, use that concept across all channels and do so at a very granular level uh, geographically, because let's face it, that's how you maximize your media performance. Again, I think every advertiser's intuition knows that if you take creamy peanut butter and you smear it across the country, that's not the optimal solution. It might be the easiest solution, but it's definitely not the optimal solution. No, it's definitely not. And I think we see that a lot with with agencies, but there's a lot on their plate. There's a lot that they have to do. And so it's, it is the easy route and it sometimes has worked in the past. And so we see people sticking with it. So if you were in that position and someone gave you, you know, a recommendation that didn't include that, is it on you as the advertiser to push back and say exactly what you're looking for? Or should those recommendations be coming from the agencies to begin with? Yeah. I mean, I I think it's, it's mostly the former now. I mean, you know, I will tell you a little self-promotion at Quad. This is something we think about every day because it's in our DNA. But as an advertiser, you should definitely push push on this because, you know, again, this is a, it's a negotiation. It's a, a business relationship. So you have to expect that both sides need to get what, you know, they have to find a win on both sides of the coin. So I think if you really have an honest conversation about this, what it will come down to, it's going to cost more from a either a technology point of view or from a labor point of view. It's going to cost more to, to have a more complicated media plan. Let's just be honest about that. Mm-hmm. But I submit that it's going to be worth it because, again, we've done a lot of analyses at, at the DMA level across a wide variety of advertisers and the optimal maximum effective reach by channel in two, three or four different markets they bear no resemblance to one another. They're not even close, right? And so the honest conversation needs to come down to what's it going to cost me to have this level of sophistication and what's the value of that incrementally? And, you know, again, I think if the answer is we don't know, and that, that's a fair answer, right? Yeah. You haven't done it this way before, so you, you might not know. Well, then the response should be, well, let's test into it. But let's, again, have an honest conversation about how we're going to approach this collectively, advertiser and agency together. Let's let's approach this this testing regimen, and then let's come out of that testing and say, okay, what did it buy me? What, what was the upside? And two, what did it cost me? How much more effort was it? And then you can you know you can renegotiate. I think we have to accept that the relationship between advertisers and agencies again is just a formal business relationship, and both sides need to win. But right now, I'm just really struck by the fact that it seems a little bit one-sided. Agencies are saying, no, no, don't worry your pretty little head about all that complexity. We're just going to make it simple and smear creamy peanut butter everywhere. And that's just not the right answer generally. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and you touched on something, the transparency there, because there are so many times that you know I've been part of conversations between agencies and advertisers just in the seat that I sit in where I'm kind of a fly on the wall. And there's that lack of transparency and the the advertisers want and expect certain results, but they expect it with the same budgets, with the same no. timeframes, with the same creative that they're using, like you mentioned before, the creamy peanut butter <laughs> spread, spread over everything, the same plan. And that's not realistic. And so there has to be that kind of open communication between the two or else you get into a situation where the advertisers and I hear this all too often, they think that they're not getting what they need. And so they start talking about bringing things in house. Yep. And I yep. think that is a big conversation that's been happening with law is when an, a company says, hey, this isn't working, it's time to come in house. 
And I'd love yeah. to just hear your thoughts about that. When is the right time to bring something in house? And should these these advertisers be doing that? Or yeah. where do we go from there? Yeah. No, I, I think ironically, the reason they're bringing things in house is because agencies have not taken on this complexity, right? If if the agencies are really good at taking on this, this level of complexity, or for that matter, any other level of complexity, if they're not good at it, then the advertiser looks at it and says, I can do this in-house, right? And, and they may very well be right. And so I think it is incumbent on agencies to, to constantly be hitting the bleeding edge and asking ourselves, how do we actually get more out of this advertising dollar? And you know, for me, that's about, I'm trained as a scientist. And so I approach this very much as, we have some hypotheses. And I guarantee if you put any group of advertisers in a room and you have a just a kind of an open conversation, they're going to have 10 or 20 hypotheses that just come off the top of their head. Now, they won't call them hypotheses. They'll call them ideas or yes. you know whatever. But you know that's what they are. They're hypotheses. Mm-hmm. Like this, this might be a good thing to try. And then I think the next step is, okay, well, let's structure a really rigorous test in order to to examine those hypotheses. Again, that's the scientific method. Again, I think agencies fall down is because they take a very simple-minded approach to testing. And I've seen far too many tests end up with inconclusive results. I would be much happier with a conclusive, it didn't work, than an inconclusive test that says, eh, we don't know. We don't know. And so these concepts are complicated. But if the agency keeps falling back on what they've done in the past and what's been easy for them and how they make the most money, if they keep falling back on that, then I do think the advertiser has every incentive in the world to to bring that work in-house because they're not getting the bleeding edge. So I think agencies really have to keep pushing the envelope on this stuff, keep bringing more and more technology to the table, and importantly, bring this mindset that test is not once a year thing. It's not a an episodic, oh, it's 2022. I guess we're going to have to do some tests this year. I remember when I was on the client side once, I went to my boss who's the CMO and I said, uh, you know, it's Q1. Let's start talking about what we want to test so that we're prepared for Q4. It was a retail environment. And he says, ah, I really don't have time to talk about that right now. Let's deal with that later. I was disappointed. And then in late Q3, my boss comes running down the hall and he says, hey, Earl, what can we do to test for Q4? And my answer was, Nothing. Nothing. We missed the boat. And so testing really just needs to be all the time. And the challenge is it's not often anybody's day job, right? You know, you typically don't find some, I don't know what title it might be, but I haven't seen a title that says, you know, a director of media testing. It, I don't see it. So what happens is it gets thrown onto somebody's plate and, you know, they've got a full plate already and they kind of squeeze this in. And that's, that's what leads to inconclusive tests that take a long time. They're not really well-conceived. But you can't get to the heart of what we started this conversation at without having a rigorous testing paradigm. Because look, everyone, everyone's watching this, they're like, oh, maybe Earl's right. I don't know. You know, there's no reason to, to absolutely jump on the ship and say, yeah, that's that's the way to go. Uh, DMA planning, you know, that that high level of complexity is worth it. You should test it. That's the way of the world. But don't test it uh, naively. Don't test it poorly because then you'll never actually get there. And when you have that kind of mindset, I think that leads to these more productive conversations between advertisers and agencies to say, yep, we had these 10 ideas and three of them really sucked. So let's discard those and and let's focus on these other ones. And then you can have a better productive relationship. If you don't have that kind of relationship, those kinds of conversations, if you're not having those conversations, you know, if I were on the advertiser side, 
I'd be bringing it out in-house too. And so if you're not getting it and you're contemplating bringing it in-house, well, the first thing you should maybe do is to see if you can't find a better agency, somebody that can do it for you, because I will tell you, bringing it in-house is hard. There's a lot of talent that's required. There's a fair bit of technology that's required. And in this marketplace for talent, keeping people is hard. So bringing house is no picnic, (laughs) but I understand why they do it. But before you do it, let's, you know, let's have this conversation with your existing agency or some new agencies and talk about whether you should be doing more frequent testing, whether you're buying into the idea of, of kind of more complexity is going to give you more juice for the squeeze. Absolutely. So when you think about testing, obviously budgets play a big part of this conversation. And yep. I think it's it's easy to say hey, agencies just aren't doing the right thing or they're going the easy way out, but they are limited to certain budgets. So I think there is responsibility on the advertiser side because as you said, like your CMO, he brushed you off and was like, I don't have time for this. And then when, when they wanted it, they wanted it. They wanted the results, but it was, it was too late for that. Mm-hmm. So I think there is also accountability on the advertiser side to get sign off and to get just some more stakeholders on the line to say, we know what we're doing. This could be great. This could fail, but like they need that support as well. So they need to come to the table with that. But then when they are working with the agency and kind of thinking about what these programs look like, how would you like break down a campaign to say like, should half of their budgets be what tried and true, what they've always done? And should they spend another half on these tests or like, what is a, a good medium that yeah. they're not just putting everything into tests and maybe like blowing three quarters worth of results because it, maybe it didn't work? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think that, so the, the careful listener at this point is saying, you know, Earl's asking for conclusive results. That could be expensive. And that's at the heart of your question. And, and it could be because in order to get a conclusive test, you have to be bold, Right. And so a test should not be a subtle instrument. I've seen far too many people like, well, let's just up the digital spend by 10% over here. Mm -hmm. That's not going to work because there's too much noise in these systems for you to detect the signal. So if you're going to test something, a new channel or a new creative or a new message, you need to be bold because bold will give you a conclusive result. And if you get a conclusive result, then you can say that worked. Now, Will it work if I drop it? You know, it's the intensity down by 50% or 75%. Well, that's going to become, again, a a subsequent test or perhaps an analytic exercise. But you have to test boldly. But in order to test boldly, you also can't break the bank, to your point. Like, you can't say, I'm going to test this this big idea and I'm going to use half of my markets. Like, okay, that's that's bold, but Mm -hmm. it's also very expensive. And so, again, I come back to that's why it's so important to understand your individual markets and be sophisticated about how you plan media at that market level, because then you can be very bold in a, in a, a likely a geographically small space so that in that area, you're really bold, but you're not breaking the bank because you're not you know, doing this broadly. It might not be a geographical. It could be by audience. If you're in a, in a digital space, you're just being very focused on your audience. But typically, I think kind of geographical separation is kind of the easiest, cleanest way to do this. But again, it comes back to the top of the conversation is that that only works if you have a really rigorous way to allocate those those ideas, that media at each individual market area, because otherwise you're kind of going into this idea and not kind of blindly. Right. You say, I'm going to do a bold test in Cincinnati. But if you haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about how you're going to allocate media in Cincinnati, 
then the, the test may may be you know dead on arrival. So again, there's a there's a level of sophistication and understanding. Test boldly, test all the time, and do so with your eyes completely wide open toward every market is unique for a variety of reasons. Build the tool sets, build the capabilities so that uh, you can deal with all those idiosyncrasies across markets and still test boldly, test often. Awesome. So you've worked with a ton of companies. You have a lot of experience. Just thinking about client that you've worked with in the past that you've had the best relationship with. You know, I want to give advertisers that are listening to this and agencies that are listening to this that are starting off a new relationship for the first time. What do you think is the most effective, either like what people are in place? How often are they communicating? What sets that relationship up for just goodness all around? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, uh, you know, the flywheel we're trying to set up here is hypothesis, testing, execution, and measurement. And your agency may or may not be able to help you with all parts of that. That's certainly something we do at Quad. And you may want to jump on the flywheel at a different place, depending upon where you, the advertiser, is sitting. But at the end of the day, you need to jump on that thing and make a commitment. This is not a three-month exercise. It's this is like life. This is <laughs> you should be doing it this way all the time. And you know, your partners need to support you in that effort and be, you know, honest and critical of, of your results. So to get to your question, I think you have to make a commitment to some part of that flywheel as the, the as the on-ramp, right? So I talked about testing. That's a that's a really good on-ramp because it can it can be focused. People can grasp why you're doing this, right? Another place that makes sense is measurement, right? So commit to a really strong measurement system. So if you're doing direct marketing, measurement is relatively easy because you've got lift over control type approaches. But assuming you're doing you know, mass media, anonymous media, then you're going to need a different measurement approach and you're going to have to be more sophisticated. And it's this is going to involve change management and there's people you know, who don't really like models, their heads are going to explode. <laughs> you know, so that's another place to, as an on-ramp, commit to a really sophisticated level of measurement so that when you do, do conduct these tests, you have a very solid way of saying this worked, this didn't work. So you've got to commit to something. I think those are a couple of good places to start and get people on board with why you're you know, on this journey. But also you just have to lay the groundwork that this is a journey. If you think I'm going to do a test in March, I'll get the results in April and then good to go. People are going to be disappointed. That's just not the way it works. No, it's so valid. So we're at the end of the year now. And I hear just from my side, just a lot of agency changeover Mm -hmm. for the new year. And then I see teams that I work with get rapid fire emails saying, all right, we got to get this in market beginning of January. And we're like, hi, who are you? Where did you come from? Yep. So I think that also hurts the that relationship and just the planning. So in an yep. ideal world, if you're an advertiser that is bringing on a new agency, what is that lead time? Like if you got a new customer and you're doing all this research, you want to put together a plan for them, what would allow you to sleep at night knowing that you're putting together the right amount of effort into a plan that's going to go live? How many months in advance should you start working with them? Yep. If you look at the standard cycle time for a lot of media channels, you know, if you're looking at print, the cycle time can be, I don't know, a quarter. You know, I mean, it can be yeah. a long time. Obviously, when you move into digital and social, it can be much shorter, although you still have creative elements that you got to develop. All that can take time. But I think the the real question is what what cadence do you want to be learning things, right? I think annual 
I'm telling you, not enough. Okay. At least quarterly, and I think state-of-the-art be, would be monthly. But whether it's monthly or quarterly, then you have to back up the calendar and say, you know, what am I going to test in quarter one? And then you back up and say, well, in order to test whatever the hypothesis is or the multiple hypotheses are, then I need to be working on this in October, right? And then, by the way, the results of quarter one are not going to affect what you're going to do in quarter two because the results of quarter one are going to occur in quarter two. And if you want to be testing in quarter two, it means that in December, you need to be preparing for the Q2 tests, which are independent of the Q1 tests, because you're not going to have the results of one in order to inform Q2. So Q3 will be informed by the results of Q1. See, again, this is a, this is a process. You actually have to put the whole thing on the calendar and kind of walk through how are we going to do this together? How are we going to be constantly doing these things together? And you don't have to be completely precise back in October for Q1. You have to set some, you have some broad hypotheses and you may say, eh, there's a few creative elements or there's some messages we want to test. We don't have those ready yet, but those are what we're going to test. And then similarly, when you're talking in December for the Q2 test, you might be saying, hey, I want to try some new channels. Here are the things that we're thinking about. You just need to arm your agency with that information so they can prepare for it. Because again, to your point, it's not fair to come running down the hall and say, hey, yeah. uh, we need to do a test next week. Well, uh, okay. And then knock yourself out. I, I don't know how I can help. <laughs> so it needs to be very deliberate. And again, this is just, it's just adding complexity to that relationship, but it's the complexity that you need. I, you know, I think there's just far too many advertisers who are just comfortable with the way they're doing their advertising. And by definition, then they're not getting the maximum output of their advertising. And, and for me, I've always said that the CMO and the CFO, they don't get along because the CMO is talking about impressions. The CFO has no idea what an impression is. So this, it's incumbent on the CMO to turn impressions into sales dollars. And when you do that, it's no longer an expense, it's an investment. And that's that, you know, this, <laughs> we all know the CMO's life's span is whatever, 18 months, 24 months, whatever the, the latest estimate is, it's short. And the reason it's short is because they can't effectively have that conversation with the CFO. I think that's the, the bottom line is you've got to find a way to convert what you're doing in marketing into terms of investment. And that's strong measurement. It's testing things all the time. It's having a mindset that we're always trying to optimize and when you do that, then, then you get the CFO says, hey, I want to cut your budget. You know, the answer is, okay, well, that's going to cost you in sales. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, that's a very different conversation. And is that getting media results and turning them into revenue results? Mm -hmm. That type of reporting that needs to go to a CFO, who is responsible for that in this relationship that we've been talking about? Should agencies be turning those results and hand, passing them over, taking revenue into an account? Or should that be on the advertiser side? Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't think there's a clean answer. I think it's very dependent on the situation. That's where play, where, I, where I came from, game theory. That's really where they played. And so for big advertisers, having a third party be your measurement partner mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. For smaller advertisers, they're going to look to their agencies because they need expertise and they don't have you know really deep pockets to spend on this. And I think a lot of agencies like ours, we have those skills to bring to bear but again, you have to have a very frank conversation. My first project I worked on at Quad was with a regional grocer. And the COO said to me, he said, Earl, I'm not sure why we're having our, our print vendor do an effectiveness on media when our hypothesis is we're overly invested in print. 
<laughs> and I said, you know, I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. But I only know how to do analytics one way. I had this conversation with the CEO when I interviewed. I said, I can't massage my results. The chips are going to fall where they may. And as it turns out, he was right. The results of the study showed that they were overinvested in print and they needed to move in, into some other channels. And so you have to you have to have that confidence in your agency. So if the agency is going to do your measurement, you're going to have to have confidence that they're uh, they're honest brokers. And then bringing it in house, I think, is generally a good idea because for this very reason, right? Because you you then inherently have the the separation between those buying and placing media and those measuring the results. The trouble with that is that again, it comes back to talent and a level of expertise. Yep. If you're a small advertiser, the analytics department might be one person or two people, and bringing on that level of talent is going to be a challenge. And so, I like the idea of bringing all advertisers should have an internal analytics team, however big they can afford, they should have one because they need that that kind of internal voice. But my experience has been that they'll have a hundred things on their queue to do. And developing a highly sophisticated measurement system is like 101. So they almost never get there. Yep. But I like the idea. It's just, I think, practically pretty tough. So I think you're looking at uh, uh, specialty agencies or consultancies, or you're looking to your agency to do the work, but then you have to have this some understanding that they're, they're going to be honest brokers. Yeah. Absolutely. This has been wonderful. I mean, I kind of to put a, a nice bow on this, not I feel like timing, transparency, and testing have been kind of the, the key things that yeah. if you're going to work with an agency and you want the complex, in-depth kind of programs that just aren't your run in the mill, those are the things that you have to bring to the table and have that honest relationship with your agency about expectations, but give them the budgets give them the time to do what's right and not just set unrealistic expectations for them. So both sides yep. need to come to the table with balanced set of expectations in order to accomplish these things. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> this has been wonderful. This has been great. I, you know, we've hit on uh, kind of all of my hot buttons. So uh, <laughs> I'm very happy to have that discussion. I love it. All right. So just outside of this topic, I have two questions for you. And I just wanted to find out, Earl, you personally, you know, these days, I know there's a lot going on, you have a lot of hats on, but when you get some free time <laughs> to read a book or a blog or a newsletter, something that has impacted just your day to day and has brought value to your life, is there anything you would recommend to, to anyone listening? And it doesn't even have to be in the agency <laughs> or in, the, in, in this industry. Yeah, I think in, you know, in analytics, there's a, obviously there's a, a huge industry of uh, interesting books out there and a couple, the Black Swan and, and uh, the Wisdom of Crowds. But anybody who's, you know, just they're looking for something that will be a, uh, an interesting read and on point to analytics, you can't go wrong with the Freakonomics books. They're fantastic reads, especially if you have a, an airplane a ride, you can probably finish one of them on a long East Coast to West Coast flight. So I'm a big fan of those. Analytics needs to be approached scientifically and all the things we talked about today. And I think that the, those books really highlight how the industry, the analytic industry has matured. I do take one issue with Stephen Levitt in his first book. He talks about how the only people doing this are economists. And at the time I was a military analyst and I thought, that's crazy, man. I've been doing this kind of stuff forever. Yeah. Despite that one faux pas on his part, they are very good books for people to take just a very objective quantitative view of the world. 
I love that. It's been a while since I've read those and I feel like I could use an update. So <laughs> I'm going to dive into those again myself. So Earl, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you after this podcast, chat with you more, how can they do that? What's the best way? Yep. So my email is epotter at quad.com. I'm always happy to have a quick conversation about whatever is is stressing you out. I will warn you that I may try to sell you something, but I'm happy to have the conversation. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Love that. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV. 